Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Tempt Me at Twilight by Lisa Kleypas. This was published in 2009 and is the third book in the Hathaways series. And we're just going to jump straight into the book jacket. He was everything she'd sworn to avoid. Poppy Hathaway loves her unconventional family, though she longs for normalcy. Then fate leads to a meeting with Harry Rutledge, an enigmatic hotel owner and inventor with wealth, power, and a dangerous, hidden life. When their flirtation compromises her own reputation, Poppy shocks everyone by accepting his proposal, only to find that her new husband offers his passion, but not his trust. And she was everything he needed. Harry was willing to do anything to win Poppy, except to open his heart. All his life he has held the world at arm's length, but the sharp, beguiling Poppy demands to be his wife in every way that matters. Still, as desire grows between them, an enemy lurks in the shadows. Now, if Harry wants to keep Poppy by his side, He must forge a true union of body and soul, once and for all. I do not know what to say about this book jacket, Lane. I'm not sure what book this book jacket was about. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This is weird. So I'm going to break this down. Do it for me. So their flirtation compromises her reputation. She shocks everyone by accepting his proposal. It's not their flirtation that compromises. He intentionally compromises her. Yes. Yes, he does. He does intentionally compromise her. And he has maneuvered her into the situation as well. So it's not just he he compromise, He gets gets them caught, Right. But, but she's, she's it's dating someone pretense. else. Exactly. It's like under false pretenses. Right. So all of that is very vague in this jacket in a way I think is more confusing than intriguing. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary aspect is, yes, he's basically just bought her in his own way and isn't sure how to be a good husband to her. Mm-hmm. But this like threat in the shadows is really random and thrown in, in like the last five pages. Yeah. And so it's not like the threat is a threat to Poppy or their marriage. It's it's weird. It's weird in the book and it's weird that they mention it in the jacket. It's It's just like, I feel like this jacket is trying to say that like she was flirting with the devil and then she found out who he really was, but she's in danger because she's with him. Like, this to me is a jacket about a book with a husband with a nefarious past that endangers the wife. That's what it sounds like, yeah. And that is not this book at all. No, it's not. So we, as usual, generated a random number between 1 and 50. It was 11 this week. And then we wrote our own summaries to compete with the jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if we did any better. Uh, who, who should start with this one? I'll start. Thinking a wife is something you deserve isn't Harry's biggest flaw. (laughs) If you, and if you know us, you know that that's a pretty big flaw. So, sorry, here's mine. 
normal Hathaway sibling heals emotionally closed off manipulative zillionaire with her love. Yeah, so we alluded to this at the end of book two, Wynn's book. But of the five siblings, Poppy's sort of the one without much description. Yeah, she's she, and not only that, like her her hair is like the the right normal color hair. Her eyes are like the normal color eyes. She's like not too fat, not too thin, not she's in the middle, so she's not too old, not too young. I I feel bad because she is she is like the happy medium par excellence you know well and she's eccentric in the way all of the Hathaways are her topics of conversation aren't de rigueur she's prone to kind of ramble about topics she has more opinions than a woman should so I feel like in a lot of other books she'd be presented as the eccentric blue stocking but here compared to her siblings she's the one who wants a conventional life she wants to marry a man in the country she doesn't like london like she really her dream is like to marry a bookshop owner i feel yeah yeah there's that she's also the yes she she is smart she's intelligent she doesn't hold back on her opinions but she also doesn't have like a grand passion the no, way that other all. Hathaway siblings do, you know? Right. She's not. Sister Amelia, who's raised them all. She's not win with her illness and faded love from childhood. She's not Beatrice with her animal collecting. And she's not Leo with his tragic dead fiance, random time being haunted by a ghost and current being a fake playboy yeah well and architecture like he actually also has a a profession that he's passionate about yeah but that's like the most generic profession in romance I don't even honestly Lane I don't even care the fact is he has a profession and he's passionate about it I don't care if it's a botanist (laughs) sure sure sure. but like that's not what makes him interesting no I'm not saying it makes him interesting but I am saying that Poppy doesn't even have that. Right. She's not, she doesn't even, she's not even a botanist. No, she's nice. Yeah. Which, and you know what? Like that, I'm going to talk about this later, but I see the appeal of having her as the heroine. Because let's be honest, in life, we're probably more like Poppy than we are like any of the other siblings. Well, I don't have a menagerie, so... Right. I mean, I'm going to say I prob- I'm not super interesting, <laughs> you know? At and least not in terms of romance novel heroine. Right. And I, I still deserve love. So, you know, I, I actually 100% see the appeal of having this heroine. I wish, I wish she were, I wish it were, it, I wish it played out differently, basically. Well, and here's the thing. We're criticizing this. My problem isn't that Poppy's normal. Yes. My problem is that if you're going to have a heroine who's sort of the straight man in a family of eccentrics, I need a really strong partner yes. in terms of character development. And the real problem in this novel is Harry Rutledge is just a dick. The real problem in this novel is Harry Rutledge. Yes, I agree with you, Lane. Um, that said, Harry does give us our latest in the Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit Workout. This one is for the Machiavellian genius hotelier. Yes. What does he do to stay fit, Lane? 
uh, he goes to a fencing club. He fences a lot. Like, he fences a lot. He sweats a lot. He wears a fencing outfit, which is kind of hot. Here's my problem with it. Mm -hmm. It's really elitist. Mm -hmm. In a way I actually thought was incongruent with the character. Sure. I know it's generic, but I kind of wish he'd been at Gentleman Jackson's Boxing. Yeah, or or something else. Like, totally something else. I, I don't even know what it is, but... I don't know, something American, because Harry's American, guys. Harry's American. Yes. And he has the the Kleypas trope. So this is not a romance trope, necessarily. I think this is a very Lisa Kleypas trope, mm-hmm. in that he comes from nothing or from very obscure background to be a genius moneymaker guy. Right. The self-made, but self-made from tragedy. Like mysterious origins. Right. So like McKenna, like uh, Nick Gentry, like Simon Hunt. These are... Who does Daisy end up with? Matthew Swift. Thank you. So just like all those people, he, he comes from nothing and somehow just has this amazing genius for making money. And in Harry's case, he has a genius for all kinds of shit. Yeah, so not only did he basically build this hotel up from nothing, of course, though, for all that he's an admitted and ardent capitalist, he's so great to all of his servants and pays them so well. He's, 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 the, he's the capitalist who, he's, he's not necessarily against unions, but he doesn't have to be against unions because he treats his employees so well they would never need to unionize anyway, Lane. Exactly. Um, he's also an inventor. Yes. Who, you know... Works on everything from irrigation systems to weaponry to toys to he's just so such a genius. And yet he runs a hotel. Yep. But I would also say, and this is a trope beyond just Clapis, no one's ever seen him. Yeah. Yes. So they, they can't, they don't recognize him. So when Poppy meets him under strange circumstances, She's just very shocked to find that the reclusive Harry Rutledge is a young, handsome man. And there is a little bit of also trope identity vagueness, like pronoun games. She's like, oh, do you work for Mr. Rutledge? You could say that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. What are some other tropes? So... There's a hurt comfort scene. There is a hurt comfort scene. Uh, yeah, there is. Yeah. And it is orchestrated, mm-hmm. which I think adds another level of trope to it. Uh, yeah. Every time, every time I see this like orchestrated hurt comfort scene, it makes me think of King of the Hill. <laughs> I've never seen King of the Hill. Oh my gosh. It's, it's that um, uh, animated TV show, right? Okay. Yeah, and they're, like, in Texas or something. And anyway, uh, the kid thinks his, his parents are having problems, and he sees all these romantic comedies. And, of course, what they do in the romantic comedies to get back together is they have to deal with some problem together, right? Mm-hmm. So the kid lets a pig loose in the house. 
<laughs> and of course, okay. if, I know. I mean, it's, it's totally stupid. And of course, it ends up that they have a huge fight. That his parents have a huge fight about the pig being in the house. Like, who the fuck let this pig in here? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what this reminds me of because it always, it almost always backfires because the authors know that we know the trope, right? So it backfires. So that's what it makes me think of every time. <laughs> And it does backfire here as well, hence the yes. hurt, comfort part of it. Indeed. Um, so as we, as we said, there's a marriage of convenience because she is ruined by Harry. And the reason it's not a ruined and forced to marry trope is true to Hathaway form. Her family is not going to force her to marry. Are you kidding me? That would not be very Hathaway-esque. I absolutely loved this part of the book, Lane. Same. Maybe the best part of the book, honestly. I love well, the best part of this book is are the family interactions. Anything with the Hathaway siblings and now the married in siblings was the best part. Mm-hmm. And so there's a scene where the male protectors of Poppy express just how committed they are to making sure she is not forced to marry against her will. And you're just like, yes, thank you. Hey, like, finally, this is what I want. This is what I want for my heroes instead of, oh, I'm going to duel you, you know? If they're not being, like, stupid masculine posturing roosters in the yard. They really are like, we're caring about you, Poppy. We want you to make your choice. But in fairness, too, like, there is this sense of they don't care for high society. They're already not respected. Like, the Hathaways are just like, oh, we'll be scandals. Fun fact, we already are. Like, oh, like, no. What's the you worst that happens? Won't receive us? Yeah, like we can't get an invitation anywhere. Oh, Poppy can't come to London. She hates it here. Can't you tell? Like, okay, fine. Like, boo hoo. <laughs> anyway, it's. I mean, it's. I love it. Just love it. It was so, so good. But so anyway, because it it's not ruined and forced to wed. What ends up happening is Poppy weighs the options available to her, and makes the decision to marry him. And then there's a wedding day twist. And she decides to stay the course. So it is very much both of them at least say their vows with eyes wide open to what they're agreeing to. He wants a wife, but on his terms. Yeah. And she decides he's the best option she's ever going to have, but she doesn't think she's ever forgiving him. Yeah. But But she does think, you know, at least I will have some status and some money, basically. And... She recognizes, even if the rest of her family doesn't care, what running out on him on her wedding day would do to her reputation and versus the life she'll have as his spouse, given that they right. seem to have some things in common. And she's like, all right, fine. Yeah. Uh, and then as I alluded to in my summary, the, the, big, the other trope is love heals. Love heals, mostly what love heals is psychological wounds that were inflicted by your parents. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And that's the big trope here. Um, And it is said literally on the page so many times in the first couple of chapters, what really draws Harry to Poppy, who he's never really spoken to before, and leads him to commit to marrying her in their first interaction, is that she's not like other girls. Yeah, despite what we have just talked about, how she's boring and normal, she's... She's normal, but she's just not normal enough that she's just not like the other girls. You know, she can talk about Chinese politics. Or medieval scholars. 
or and, and identify as an astro globe. <laughs> and, you so know, <laughs> yeah. I was rolling my eyes so hard through that whole sequence. Like so hard. Because one, it's it's not presented as I have so much in common with this woman. Absolutely. It's this woman is not like other girls. She's better than other girls. She's better than women in society. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. And that inherent sexism needs to go. Well, and it's not only that. He's also praising himself because he has the foresight to recognize that really she's more valuable. So not only is she not like other girls because she's better, he's better than all the other men because he can identify that she's better than all the other girls. Right. And what he really sees in her is the things that make her a terrible debutante will make her an amazing society wife. Uh-huh. And he gets to be proven right and she gets to be his project. Uh-huh. Great. Can, can you tell me I really hated this part? Hated it. He has an eccentric, unorthodox servant. Mm-hmm. He plucked from the slums, basically, but now has the world's most loyal manservant. But yeah. of course, the manservant is loyal to what he needs, not what he says. Yeah. All of this is trope, several layers deep. I, I don't... This is not my least favorite part of the book. I liked it. I like Valentine. It's not that I didn't like Valentine. It's that I didn't understand Harry's character. Yeah. Like, I feel like they told you why he and Valentine ended up together. Yes. But I really didn't get the relationship they had in the present or what had created it. The, the whole relationship, the whole thing is, is a trope. And it's part of the thing with tropes is you don't have to explain them. They just exist. This is a trope because we had really good books like uh, Dorothy Sayers. So mm. this is not a Bunter or a Jeeves. Like this is the, the those are the archetypes of Valentine. But mm. we don't see why they're devoted or loyal. Right. Valentine's a little different, though, because he's honestly because Harry's not a gentleman mm-hmm. so the tasks assigned to Valentine aren't butlering they're running errands for the business they're collecting mm-hmm. debt they're it's a much more dangerous trade frankly yeah that I think demanded a little bit more interpersonal connection because there also wasn't the stuffiness of the aristocracy layered into their relationship you mean you mean like so so to to identify another like very recent book that used the trope but I think not much, it didn't even need much more explication, but I think worked better than this one was in um, When a Rogue Meets His Match with Gideon and all of his employees. Like, we yes. know why they're loyal to him, and they're doing all kinds of weird shit. They're stalking people, <laughs> they're, um, <laughs> what else? They're collecting debts. I don't know. And they're also unsavory in their own origins, but it just it works much better. I mean, also talk about Mrs. John Watson in the Lady Sherlock series and her coterie. And like, it doesn't take a lot. It felt like the depth, the the, the character depth was missing here. That's my, we're not even done with tropes, but I feel like we're getting into the quality. Like this is my major issue with the book is Harry. We don't really get a sense of Harry as a character. Yes. He's a trope and it's a shitty trope. Um, there is a waltz in a garden fondle. There and is. Literally, exactly 
a waltz and a garden fondle. Exactly. They don't even finish the waltz. They're like halfway through the waltz. And he's like, why don't we go out and get some air? Make yeah. sure all the gossips watch us. I'm just going to make a lot of noise as we leave through the door. <laughs> I'm imagining slamming the, the, the French doors open. <laughs> Shoom, <you Yeah>. <laughs> um, there is the scene of lust that I think is very, very common in romance novels. Mm-hmm. The first time the hero sees the heroine with her hair down. Oh, yeah. Yes. I called it Rapunzel lets down her hair. I, I saw her that. It's, it's very true. Yeah, he's like, he's, he's very into Poppy. Yeah. Hampshire. So this is the Clapus trope. They go to Hampshire. <laughs> they they go to Stony Cross Village, not Stony Cross yes. Park. So, yep. Uh, Hampshire, I guess, look, I, it, it makes me want to go there because there has to be something in the air or the soil lane. Like, people are just getting it on like rabbits all over Hampshire. All the time. Um, Harry Rutledge, this is a trope, is a very famous person no one has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Everyone thinks he's old. And he's extremely rich. And extremely hot. Mm-hmm. Like, this is very much the fantasy of middling nobody gets swept off feet by a rich guy. Yes, it is. It is. And I, I, I said, I get the appeal. I get mm-hmm. the appeal of that. But I, I, need, I need more than just the trope. I mean, this leans into young adult, right? Mm-hmm. Like... A lot of young adult fantasy where you've got an average person who is swept out of their everyday life by some sort of mythical, fantastic element. And that element usually includes someone of the opposite sex who is going to seduce them because most of these are hetero. Yep. Like, that's just the formula. It's also, it's Twilight. It's Fifty Shades of Grey. It's, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's any vampire story in the history of time. (laughs) Really? <laughs> in the history of time <laughs> except for the you know recent twisted ones but yeah yeah mm-hmm. any vampire I, romance I should say in the history of time yes <laughs> I agree um yeah I and he's a sad tragic orphan ish sort of yeah well he might be it's it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> who knows he has look he just has a complex shitty family of origin and so he's never been loved, experienced loved, expressed love. Yeah, no one said that. No one has ever said they love Harry. And um, anytime he loves somebody, they've been taken away. This is such a trope. Well, uh, not only that, he's only had a string of mistresses, no real relationship, and he gets rid of them by sending his man over with an expensive piece of jewelry. The whole thing. The, the whole that, thing is a trope. Okay, so that's. Let's talk about the book itself. Where the book falls down is, as we've said, is Harry. Because Harry doesn't, he doesn't have his own character. No. He's, he's, he's just a collection of tropes. Yeah, he's an amalgamation of these weird fantasies that come together in a really unappealing way. Yeah. And I, I think I could have gotten on board with most of the book and even the way it plays out if only Harry were more of an authentic character. Yeah. And like the thing is, I named a lot of books I didn't really like about normal girls being rescued by, like, superior or exciting men. Yeah. I like this trope plenty in the yeah. right context. But I think yeah. the problem is not only is Harry a, a mixture of these boring traits and tropes, he's mean. He's mean. He's also mean, yeah. So, like, you're trying to get me to sympathize with a character based just on this, like, 
tragedy soup. And instead you end up making just a really unlikable dude with no personality. Yeah. I mean, to be, so here's what happens at the very beginning of the book. Um, Poppy runs into Harry by mistake. They have a conversation that lasts 15, 20 minutes max. And then he immediately decides she's the one for me. But yeah. that's, that's it. I honestly think I would have been more on board with this book if he had been, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but if he had had his eye on her for two or three years, like every time he'd been stalking her. Yes, yes, that is the the word I was trying to avoid, Lane. (laughs) And again, I can't believe I'm going to be saying that. But like, look, if he, if he had noticed her and okay, he's not stalking her, but he's been keeping tabs on her because look, he is a Machiavellian, you know, has his finger in every pie. Yeah, he's a Machiavellian schemer who, and they've been staying in his hotel for three years. Right. You find out in the text, the staff have been monitoring the family. It wouldn't exactly. have been that hard to say because they were such high maintenance guests. He was super aware of her family and watching her dynamic with them, one, the longing for a normal familial dynamic, combined with appreciating the sister of family doesn't even seem to fully appreciate. Yes. That little bit of extra work, it would have been hard to make it not creepy. But if it had been done successfully, this would have been so much better. Yeah. I mean, the book is already slightly creepy because Harry does some creepy shit. So creepy, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I really feel like I feel like if he had had more than just 20 minutes with her Mm -hmm. and then made the decision, I could have believed it more. But as it is, I, I, I guess I, I just wasn't supposed to understand Harry's motivation. And look, we complain a lot about I'm just not good enough for the other person tropes. But you kind of have the opposite here. And this is what I got out in my summary is Harry sees a thing. That thing is a person. He wants as his wife. But either way, he deserves it. He wants it. He does whatever underhanded thing he has to do to get it. And even once he's gotten it, he doesn't really apologize because he's like, well, I couldn't have gotten you any other way. Mm-hmm. And it's not appealing. It's it's not appealing, but it's, I I the honestly story is he did what he had to do. And again, I I have read and and for the most part enjoyed certain books that are like that, mm-hmm. where they say, "Look, I I wanted you. I knew you were perfect for me. I've been in love with you. You know, whatever." But I didn't get why he was so into her after half an hour that he was willing to basically wreck her life wreck her life and you know really wreck wreck a lot of things for himself as well yeah so. but uh, we've already talked about this as well where this book shines is in the Hathaway family relationships yes I loved them all I loved them all and you do get it's less ham-fisted I feel like than it was in Wynn's book Wynn's book there were like scenes with just Amelia and Cam in them that kind of felt unnecessary and tacked mm-hmm. in just because they wanted to do Amelia Cam fan service and like get the plot moving I think this book it was a much more organic representation of the whole family yes. and you see a lot of character development from all of the other siblings in their background moments but especially Leo 
come yes. into the, the rescue as the brother here worked really well. It was so it was so nice because how this series works as a series really plays to Leo as a character. If you yeah. look at his character development from the beginning where he's like just total wastrel mm-hmm. to now where he's a stand-up brother. And a good lord of the land. Yes. Like, yeah. he's still kind of a playboy and kind of a rake and, like, certainly hasn't reopened himself to romantic risk or anything like that. Yeah. But he's lucid. Yeah. And has the ambition and working on projects again. And when Poppy shows up and needs him, it doesn't matter what he's doing or who. <laughs> Can I, can I tell you, I feel like this, I feel like the whole series, there's, in each book, there's like a cock blocking scene, yes. right? And in this one, in both of the first two books, it was Cam. Poor Cam got cock blocked, basically. In this book, it's Leo. <laughs> um, Cam, who was moaning about being interrupted, Leo yells at his servants, why are you getting me? Here's his sister's in trouble, and immediately goes to, sorry, love. Okay. Yeah. Please go like, back. I don't want my sister to see you. Yeah, he's like, gotta go. Leave out the back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, but I, she's like, but I can make it worth your while. And she's, he's like, not, not, not better than my sister. Like, get out of here. <laughs> it was so good. I love Leo so much. Is, and as you'll know from our discussion of the previous book, it's very clear Leo is going to end up with the girl's governess marks. And the way this book ties more into that than the previous has is there's a revelation that there's a connection between Harry and Marx. So the, yes, there's a connection between Harry and Marx. There's also, I don't know, I, I just really like the way Clefus sets up the Leo-Marx relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I feel like it really works because if it was all in the same book, I think it would be too much. But the fact that he they get three books to develop it is is really nice. I think it's actually interesting, just given the way this series has been set up, that it's the fourth book and not the fifth. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I agree. I do agree. Actually, I have many thoughts about this. So we'll get to that later. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about in terms of general quality is how absolutely bizarre, unrelated, and odd the ending was. Yeah, I know. But didn't it make you want to read the next book, like, right away? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. You're not talking about the last, the epilogue. You're talking about the, the actual conflict. Never mind. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm talking about how this book ends up being, not even kidding, a pacifist anti-war book. This book is so weird. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to anti-war pacifism. What I'm opposed to is that being the ending of a book that was not about that at all. It's a very, it is a really, really, really weird ending. And the only and, like prior discussion of guns is basically that Poppy's terrified of guns because a beloved uncle died in her arms after a shooting accident. Yeah, yeah, yep, that happened. And then she's like, I don't like guns. So she doesn't like guns. And then, um, I, apparently Harry just invents all kinds of weird shit. So he's like, I can invent this new amazing gun. And the war office is like, yeah, invent it for us. And then Poppy's like, don't do it. And he's like, okay, I won't do it. 
And then Leo's architecture degree comes in handy. Who is the knight in shining armor in this book? It's Leo. Leo. (laughs) So what did you want to say about the epilogue? Oh, just that just that the epilogue makes you want to read the next book like right away. Yeah. It's it it reminded me it was not as subtle or as fun as the ending of Wallflower Wager. When you just realize that she's the last to get married and the And yeah. you go, Oh my god. But, yeah, it wasn't subtle at all, but it does it's not even a, it says a lot about this book that the epilogue is Marks and Leo and not Harry and Poppy. Well, and it also says a lot that that didn't piss us off at all. Yeah, not even the slightest <laughs> bit. We were just like, yes, spoon feed me more of this. <laughs> um, were you were you offended by anything in this book? Okay, so there's not anything like particularly like there's some child abandonment and neglect. You know. He's got a sad, tragic backstory, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's kind of part for the course, but no sexual violence. There's mentions of physical violence that happened off the page. There's a couple of the usual, you know, Cam, Leo, and Maripin trying to resolve things via violence, but actually it just ends up being funny. Like, yeah. in terms of the actual, like, typical trigger warning, content warning type things, not really. That said, um, I think in terms of, like, feminism and character growth, this is not a favorite. No. I would say the the one thing that really got me about this book was that apparently the way to fix your marriage is by having a lot of good sex. And I was like, I'm not, I don't think that's negligible. Like, like, yes. You know, you should have good sex, probably, to have a good marriage. But also, if you're having a lot of problems communicating with each other and have a lot of fights and are giving each other the silent treatment, probably not going to actually fix it by just fucking each other. Well, the other thing is, so they go into this marriage, as we said, it's very much an agreement, not an enthusiastic romantic situation. And so obviously, she is not an enthusiastic participant in sex mm-hmm. like I'm your wife I signed up for this do what you're gonna do but like clearly I'm not excited to hook up with you oh there is the game of no kissing <laughs> yeah yeah Thanks, kissing kissing means something to me yeah which just I roll my eyes in the back of my head what bothered me there is like okay I'm supposed to give him brownie points for not having sex with her when she's not enthusiastic but he's still like still engage in sexual behavior mm-hmm. and then it's not like by the time they actually have sex she's come around he just gets too desperate so I'm like so what was this even supposed to tell me about his character I don't know I don't know and then there so there is one line that's pretty annoying is basically Harry's like oh, I don't know what to do I don't know what women want and Cam is like you'll never know what women want no no what does he say it's just something really annoying like never argue with your wife or something. Don't, don't try logic. Don't try logic with your wife. That's, that's what it is. And I was like, Cam, fuck you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Also that advice coming from Cam, like the most illogical whacked out pining hero of all time. Cam, Cam, are you kidding me? Cam. Anyway, So, um, was this sexy? I mean, 
the sex that is written on the page is sexy because Lisa Clayputh knows how to write sex. She knows how to write sexy sex. Were the situations super sexy? No. Some of them? Maybe. I, I don't know. They did have a sex cabin. Lane, do you think it was the same sex cabin? That no, it's been explicitly said. Okay. They explicitly oh. said different sex cabin. Yeah, well, because Poppy gets there and she says, like, is the gamekeeper's cottage available? And Amelia says, no, we thought the crofter's cottage would be closer. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And I, I, in my, in my head canon, Wynn and Cam look at each other and they're like, <laughs> you know, like, no, it's not available. Wynn and Maripin. Wynn and Maripin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, so it was different sex cabin. I think this one comes down to, for me, like I didn't find the cat couple sexy. Hmm. So regardless of how objectively sexily written their interactions were, hmm. and like they're married relatively early, so there's a lot more. And neither of them are like explicitly trying to resist the other. Mm-hmm. In the way that happened with the two previous books. So, like, there's more sexual tension and sex in this book than there have been in this series so far. But I just, in terms of the duration of the book, that this, it's, it can happen for, not in the length of the sex scenes themselves. Thanks, Wynn, because you got that one. Um, but but it's just because the main couple sucks. I didn't yeah. care. I will say, also, Lisa Kleypas commits, in my eyes, a, a very a, a grave error and yeah. it is that harry basically he's like i first we're gonna have sex and you're gonna think it's great and then i'm gonna do something that you're like i don't know if i want to do this and you're gonna love it and then i'm gonna do eat something that's even more dirty and you're gonna think it's the best thing ever and i was like okay i was like i'm gonna read this and i'm gonna like it and then it just says and then he did it End of chapter. And I was like, that's Lisa, you know that's not how this works. Well, the thing is, the first thing was just sex. The second thing was she blew him and then they did it doggy style. And then the third thing is fade to, fade to black. The third thing is fade to black. Which, no thank you. Lisa, we have read Worth Any Price. And suddenly you. We know what you are capable of writing. Exactly. But I would like to end this uh, podcast by talking very briefly about Leo, who does have to have a sex conversation with Poppy. It Which was, is his nightmare. Oh, it's 100% his nightmare. Um, but it it's so fucking funny I laughed I literally laughed out loud I was laughing so hard Lane because so funny like the amount of sibling in this book because her marriage is shit really is what saves it from being like a garbage trash fan campfire absolutely she's like look she's like I need to talk to you about sex and he's like nope and she's like but I really really need your advice and he's like it's like fine and then they start talking and he's like so was his flag flying and, and Poppy's like, 
do we really have to talk about flags here? Can I not just say like penis? And he's like, we have to talk about flags. Like, this is not, we have to speak in metaphors. We cannot use the actual words for things. I, I would And also it. like my staff has removed all the alcohol from this carriage. I might die here. I, I, it was so funny, Lane. Oh my gosh. I've had tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard. Perfect. No, like Lisa Kleypas, I mean, we, we always come back to this with certain authors and Kleypas is one of them, is a good writer. Yes. So what ultimately distinguishes the books of hers that we adore from those that we're sort of met on are like the construction of the plot and the quality of the characters. Mm. This is lacking in both. And so yeah. this ends up being one of my least favorite Kleypases that said, I like Kleypas. Yeah, I like her in general. And there are so many charming bits in this book that I, I actually, I remembered thinking it was my least favorite of the Hathaways. But when I reread it, there were so many parts that I thought were so fun and so charming. And so. because the Hathaways are a really integrated series, especially by romance standards, or I should say by romance standards, um, I really, you can't skip this. Right. And I think the Hathaways is good enough, and this isn't bad enough to say skip it. Like, if exactly. you're enjoying and reading the Hathaways, you have to read it. Absolutely. I you're just, you're, you're reading it as fast as you can so you can get to the next one. Yeah, I, I also agree with that. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe.